This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by HelloFresh and by Mint Mobile. Now, we criticize Elon Musk a lot on this show for a lot of different reasons, all valid. Uh, mm. Basically, he's the quintessential out-of-touch, exorbitantly rich asshole. And on top of that, and unlike most other exorbitantly rich assholes who don't have a pathological need to be loved and seen as good by the public, Elon seems embarrassingly obsessed with being perceived as cool by strangers on the internet, which is kind of lame. Mm -hmm. And he's actually, I mean, he is somewhat successful at that. He's got a whole army of simps, but it's just never enough. Yeah. It'll never be enough. And, uh, oh yeah, he also just like straight up lies all the time about his future products uh, to the point where there's like no shortage of articles and even dedicated blogs just listing off all the things that Elon has promised that were total bullshit in the end. It's so. like the Google graveyard for things that ha don't even exist yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but look, aside from all of that, at least the products that his companies make, those are good, right? I mean, SpaceX definitely isn't colonizing Mars anytime soon. And anyone who thinks they are is a dumb rube. But at least their rockets can land themselves and be reused. It is impressive. Nice. With Tesla ignoring all the dangerous overpromising with autopilot, at least they're good, well-built American cars with great quality control, right? Well, maybe not so much. Uh, most people who buy a Tesla are perfectly happy with their purchase, but it does seem like quality control might be more of an issue for Tesla than other car companies. Yeah, and the baby steps. So we're there isn't really like hard data to back this up, and I don't know if it's even possible, but at least anecdotally, it seems like Tesla owners find a lot more issues with their new cars than your average car buyer. Mm -hmm. uh, a while back, someone on GitHub compiled a kind of insanely long inspection checklist for Tesla owners <laughs> to go over upon receiving their brand new Model Y. And while it almost seems like anti-Tesla propaganda, this list is too long. There's too many things that can go wrong. It's actually entirely sourced from the Tesla Model Y subreddit. In other words, this is all stuff that Tesla fans <laughs> have reported finding in their brand new $65,000 dream cars. Yeah, and this is like two things. One, I mean, it is seen to be uh, a vehicle or a set of vehicles that does have quality control issues. Uh, the other point being like specifically with like the Plaid or like the X, things that are well above that price range. Like, yeah, people are going to not want the car to have certain issues with it. But the other thing too is it's like with these crowdsourced lists, it's like people are actually now looking for things in their newly delivered cars that they would have never ever assumed were problems at the dealership buying a Chevy or a Ford or a Dodge or whatever. Yeah. So it's it's a mixture of a bunch of things, but it is funny that uh, of all the of all the car companies to have the fans be so yeah. aggro about quality control. I fucking love my Tesla, which I had to do an 100-point inspection on myself when I got it yeah. to make sure they didn't fuck anything up in quality control, which they are known to do, and I love them. Yeah, receiving your, your Tesla, it's it's much like uh, going to the rental counter at the airport. You just gotta, you gotta take pictures, you gotta prove that you aren't lying. Kick the tires. <laughs> the tire falls off. <laughs> uh, but yeah, items on the checklist range from relatively minor issues like scratches and certain electronic functions not working to more serious build issues like poor panel alignment all the way up to kind of alarming shit like making sure your VIN number is correct. <laughs> making sure all four hubcaps are present and properly attached, checking the undercarriage for missing screws, and making sure all the doors actually open. <laughs> you know, so, some uh, 
Some of the childless millennials out there, they might not test the rear doors ever in their entire lives. Elon Musk is depending on that. Yeah, again, these are all things that have happened. And this list is presented as basically, hello, fellow Tesla fan. Congratulations on purchasing the greatest car you'll ever own. Just please do this 100-point inspection within the 24-hour return period. Um, yeah, and it, look, this should be a thing for any new car uh, or used car, or whatever that anyone buys. Like it should. We've um, been just kind of fuck, like free riding it for way too long. I mean, for sixty five thousand dollars, you would you would expect all of these things to have been checked and double checked. I think. I mean, I've never owned a car even close to yeah costing that much, and uh, I buy Japanese only. I've only ever driven <laughs> Japanese. I've I'm a Ford man myself. I've driven uh, budget economy Japanese he's sedans. He's a little bit rock and roll. I'm a little bit country. And uh, yeah, I mean, the amount of like, I've never had like rattles. I've never yeah, had no, like shit falling off. It's, it's, uh, well, in most states, there are, uh, there are laws in place for where if something like that happens. And it's, there, there's reasons why laws like that are in place because it has happened before and continues to happen. But yeah, it's, it's, it is just very funny that, uh, specifically the people that simp for this guy are like, you know what? By the way, I'm having a problem here. You can come out and fix <laughs> Hello, it. Hello, at Elon Musk. <laughs> so my car caught on fire the other day. Still my favorite car I've ever owned. Love but it. Could you maybe look into this? Yeah. <laughs> I love you. But uh, yeah. So yeah, this kind of thing, it's not unusual amongst Tesla diehards, that special breed of Tesla driver who, uh, it's a lifestyle for them. Uh, on social media, you can often find them complaining about various issues like the ones on that list while continuing to praise Tesla and Elon Musk and insisting that it's still the best car they've ever owned. Okay, uh, yeah. they, they see themselves as being on the cutting edge and I guess uh, kind of like beta testing. So, you know, they accept that there are surprises that come with that. Um, most people, I think, don't want to feel like they're beta testing when they're driving a motor vehicle. They just want things to fucking work. But yeah. um, these people see it differently. And for Elon's most diehard fans, even a car that is plagued with issues, is no reason to ditch the brand. It's simply an opportunity to get their space daddy's attention by any means necessary. Which brings us to the Tesla hunger strike. Yeah, it turns out that when tweeting at Elon Musk simply isn't enough, it's time to move to the kinds of desperate measures usually reserved for human rights protesters. On August 27th, Twitter user Erland Mork is that a play on Elon Musk for some reason? No, it's just Norwegian. Okay. <laughs> uh, that person posted the following. Hashtag Tesla hunger strike in Tesla country. Number one, Norway. 27 August 2022 at Elon Musk. Norwegian Tesla owners are suffering. Along with uh, attached images showing an aerial shot of 17 Teslas in a parking lot arranged to form the word help. Along with a picture of a banner saying Tesla hunger strike 2022. And the URL teslahungerstrike.com. Um, so let's take a look at that website. Tesla hunger strike. Elon Musk, please help us. Why hunger strike? Norway has the most Teslas per capita in the world, but a lot of customers are not happy. Norway is by far the number one Tesla country in the world. We are the canary in the coal mine. Help us get in touch with Elon. We are a group of dissatisfied Norwegian Tesla owners. We believe that if Elon Musk is made aware of our troubles, he will solve the situation. Please help us get his attention. Go buy a Volvo, dork. I know, um, but yeah. That's I, Swedish, but it's in the same area. Anyway, here's their specific complaints that they would like Elon to address, uh, some of which seem specific to Norway's cold climate. Mm -hmm. The car won't start in cold weather. Door handles won't open in cold weather. Intense squeaking noise. 
Car won't start in warm weather. What weather will it start in? <laughs> Bubbles in seats. Loose front seat. Trunk lid filled with rainwater. Autopilot does not work properly. Internet is slow and does not work as it ought to. The wipers do not work well enough. The car creaks when you pass speed bumps and other bumps in the road. Decorative moldings loosen. The lights do not work properly. The doors stop working properly. Doors that open by themselves. <laughs> the computer does not work. Yellow edges around the display screens. Windows that do not close completely. Systems reset on their own. Problems charging. Reduced power. Rust problems on new cars, especially Model 3. Poor paint quality means that the car has to be repainted. You were promised free charging throughout the car's lifetime, but the new charging stations do not fit the car. Lower battery life than Tesla claims. Problems with the air conditioner. Not all problems are solved when the car is serviced. Tesla promised to contact you, but you do not hear from them. You have to wait on the phone for a long time before Tesla answers. And th this is one of the funnier things, too, is like uh, you see a lot of complaints uh, from owners that are like, there has never been a car that has exemplified being designed in Southern California more than, than these cars. Because Southern California has, you know, obviously we're in a heat wave now, but essentially like perfect weather yeah, for like 90% of the like year. maybe 10 days out of the they year. They are not built for rain. They are not built for snow or icy yeah. weather. It's like, it's so funny. It's just like, this is such a region specific car. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that uh, we like, fail to consider uh, that people live in cold places. Not just with Tesla, but with all electric batteries going forward, I, unless they fixed it or something. But I believe it's cold weather where it does have reduced capacity or performance. Uh, and yeah, so yeah, if you're, it has if, an effect. If you're fucking living in Norway, it's like you can't, in good faith, sell it as the same miles per gallon or whatever yeah. uh, that you are doing in America or somewhere else like that. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a an internal combustion car where you just go in your garage 10 minutes before you're going to leave and you turn it on and let it Make warm sure the garage is, is open, by the way. <laughs> no, shut <laughs> the door and all the windows and run a hose. These Tesla uh. drivers can't even, uh, uh, you know, uh, unalive themselves yeah. when they get so frustrated. I've been sitting in this garage with my Tesla running for four hours and I still breathe great. I even turned on the car's campfire and yet I am still not <laughs> burning alive. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a long list of complaints and it, it seems enough serious problems uh, on that list to, I don't know, just, I would simply sell my car and replace it with something better. Maybe from a uh, Norwegian or uh, Scandinavian car company who yeah. designs cars for the place you live in. But these are Tesla fans. Uh, so hunger strike it is, I guess. Oh, yeah. And uh, they don't provide any real details on the hunger strike itself, which is a bit odd considering how extreme a hunger strike is. I mean, perhaps most famously, 10 Irish Republicans literally starved themselves to death while on hunger strike in 1981 during the Troubles. It's not something to be taken lightly. You literally have to be willing to die a very unpleasant death for your cause. And the cause in this case is, my car doesn't work as well as I'd like it to. Which is annoying, but do you want to die? But have you tried the fart honk? Because that's going to make you feel a lot you better. Can play, you, can be uh, you can play Angry Birds on the, the little TV. But not while you're driving the damn government clamp down on Kamala us. Kamala Harris won't let me play Angry Birds. So I don't know. How is that hunger strike going? Well, here's the drive. Earlier this week, we reported that a group of Norwegian Tesla owners was planning a hunger strike to protest defects in their cars. In doing so, they hope to get the attention of Elon Musk himself. The strike is already over, and I don't think they made much progress because it lasted just 24 hours. <laughs> What's more, 16 of the 20 participants couldn't make it a full day without a snack. This is according to an email the group sent to The Drive, in which they also provided more details on the so-called strike. Yeah, it turns out we didn't consider um, 
Much like Elon didn't consider cold weather, we did not consider how hungry we would feel after just a day of not eating. This sucks. Yeah. You're telling me Gandhi did this shit? He didn't die of the elements, though. So Ah. the car must be working. Ah. Mm -hmm. Uh, It continues. Not to play backseat driver to a hunger strike, but I'm pretty sure 24 hours without eating is barely a hunger strike. That's a fast. (laughs) Mahatma Gandhi, who repeatedly went on hunger strikes throughout his life to protest British colonial rule of India, has an entire Wikipedia page devoted solely to his fasting. Longest period was 21 days, if you're curious. In the 1981 Irish hunger strike, 10 strikers died between the 59th and 73rd days of their strikes, and they changed the entire political future of Ireland with their deaths. To call a single day without a meal a hunger strike over quality control issues with a car famous for quality control issues, no less, is a bit insulting to everyone who's ever actually engaged in a hunger strike. Uh, so, yeah, any, this is probably for the best. Uh, if all the multiple deaths linked to autopilot weren't enough to get Elon to do anything, starving yourself to death probably won't either. Just pointless. Thre- threaten to uh, let the car drive itself until he fixes the problems. He'd probably say, Go Sir, save us. Save us, sir. Uh, Elon's got bigger things to worry about, of course. Um, like World War III, apparently. Yeah, that's the real reason he didn't want to buy Twitter. Yeah, don't you world understand? Why would I want to own a social media platform if the world's going to end? Uh, yeah, so that brings us, obviously, to our next story. And you're probably aware that among the mega-rich, especially tech billionaires, doomsday prepping is quite popular. And since these are billionaires that we're talking about, it's not just basement bomb shelters and go bags. It's full-on doomsday compounds in remote places like New Zealand and Alaska. And, you know, then they can just quickly jet off to these locations and be safe as sound. Close the hatch. Done. Mm -hmm. You all deal with your shit out there. I'll be sitting pretty in my vault. Oh, no. The Tesla engineers have made it so the door doesn't close all the way. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Why couldn't you just put normal handles on this fucking door? (laughs) Why did they have to... God damn it! Why does it have to be tied to an app? Uh, So writer Douglas Rushkoff recently released a a new nonfiction book about this phenomenon called Survival of the Richest, which sounds pretty damn interesting considering the level of firsthand insight that he has on the topic. Uh, Rushkoff has been one of the most prominent tech thinkers for a long time now. He even coined popular terms like viral media, digital native, and social currency. So he's uh, someone that big tech figures like to bounce ideas off of. And this book stems from a very secretive little meeting that he attended in a remote desert location where a room full of ultra wealthy like tech guys basically bounced their doomsday prepping ideas off of him to like see what he thought. Uh, the Guardian recently published an excerpt from the book and it is very fascinating and also uh, kind of funny. Finally, the CEO of a brokerage house explained that he had nearly completed building his own underground bunker system and asked, how do I maintain authority over my security force after the event? The event. That was their euphemism for the environmental collapse, social unrest, nuclear explosion, solar storm, unstoppable virus, or malicious computer hack that takes everything down. This single question occupied us for the rest of the hour. They knew armed guards would be required to protect their compounds from raiders as well as angry mobs. One had already secured a dozen Navy SEALs to make their way to his compound if he gave them the right cue. But how would he pay the guards once even his crypto was worthless? (laughs) What would stop the guards from eventually choosing their own leader? The billionaires considered using special combination locks on the food supply that only they knew, or making guards wear disciplinary collars of some kind in return for their survival, Uh, or maybe building robots to serve as guards and workers if that technology could be developed in time. Um, 
with this information, it really seems like the reason Elon is building humanoid robots is to uh, securely man his... Bunker slaves. Yes, exactly. But I also do love the idea that they're just going straight battle royale with it. And they're like, listen, that thing around your neck, it's going to blow your fucking head off if you ever cross me. Yeah. Uh, Because that is a good point. Mr. Pliskin, we've put a virus inside of your body that only I have the antidote for. I mean, you're a a billionaire. You hire, uh, you know, a crack team of warriors to protect you after the apocalypse. But, like, money doesn't mean anything anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cryptocurrency, who cares? Uh, What's to stop them from taking over? And the answer is nothing. Um, So you're going to love these bored apes I'm going to give you guys for Christmas if you just make it that long. Yeah, trust me. (laughs) When When we get this all sorted out out there... I obviously will be in here not involved with sorting any of that out. Not my problem. Mm-hmm. I created the problem, but I will not be solving it. But once they solve it out there, one of these board apes, very rare now. Most of the people who bought them, dead. Yeah. So, and and it's on the blockchain. It's lost forever. The keys are gone. <laughs> That's the thing. There used to be 10,000 board apes. Now there's like, I don't know, 100. Mm-hmm. So, pretty big deal. But, uh, yeah. So, this Rushkov guy, he describes trying and failing to get these guys that he's talking to to understand that... Probably the best way to ensure post-apocalyptic loyalty from their minions would just be to, like, treat them well right now <laughs> and earn their loyalty while things are still good. But from there, he spends a lot of the piece analyzing this specific mindset of extremely wealthy and powerful people who feel like total societal collapse is coming any day now and uh, they would very much like to not be a part of any society when society collapses. Mm-hmm. Uh, he writes, quote, More than anything, they have succumbed to a mindset where winning means earning enough money to insulate themselves from the damages they are creating by earning money in that way. It's as if they want to build a car that goes fast enough to escape from its own exhaust. So later in the piece, he starts looking at various companies that are basically trying to do IRL vault tech for the rich and powerful. And interestingly, the one that seems most realistic and features a self-contained food supply chain has failed to generate any interest. Rushkoff speculates that it's because this model requires its clients to live together and cooperate, while most billionaires would prefer to go it alone, despite luxury bunkers and private islands having pretty serious inherent supply problems due to being cut off from the outside world. Yeah, it's like an island sounds great until you need literally anything. They're taking MREs from our troops, our troops, and putting it in their useless bunkers. Yeah. Uh, anyways, it's a it's a fascinating article. Uh, I'm sure the book is is fascinating, so you should uh, check that out. Yeah, I definitely want to read this because I've been I've been interested in this for a while. It's so all these it, all these fucking nerds too. That's why like they're all learning how to fight and like they're trying to be tough guys that they haven't been in the past because they they all see themselves yeah. as like being the king at the end of the world. And they're all gonna they're all planning on being a Morton Joe. And in the meantime, having historically horrifying track records with how they treat their employees and the planet. Yeah, the planet, just like all of the causes for any fucking uh, global, like, catastrophic event uh, are things that they, if they all banded together today, could uh, possibly prevent the, the worst effects of if they really wanted to. But they're... No, that would be too hard. Instead, I'm going to just plan for how I become like the, the like post-apocalyptic warlord from my my cave. That's a uh, that's that's more concrete and easy for me to consider than I don't know getting taxed more and um, you know not poisoning the planet so much. While Greta Thunberg sailed the planet, I studied the blade. Yeah, mm-hmm. I studied the cave. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So 
Again, cool sounding book. Yeah, I want to read it. But back to reality now. The existential problems that society is facing aren't quite apocalyptic yet. But one sudden and recent change in technology has people debating and philosophizing about art in ways not seen in a very long time. Uh, It's only been just like a couple months since most people were even made aware of AI-generated art via Dolly Mini, a.k.a. Crayon. And there's now already multiple AI image generators producing increasingly uncanny images that a lot of people would understandably look at and assume were drawn, painted, designed, or at least photoshopped by a human being. Mm -hmm. The results remain inconsistent at best, and even the most impressive AI-generated art still has telltale giveaways if you examine it closely. But at the rate that things are going, that might not be the case for much longer. And this has, of course, sparked quite a lot of debate between traditional artists who see their careers and skill sets being devalued, and AI artists who see the future of artistry as being really good at feeding information to an algorithm. Uh, To throw uh, a whole lot more fuel on that fire, a real-life fine art competition recently awarded first place to an AI-generated art piece. Oh, boy. Here's Vice. A man came in first at the Colorado State Fair's fine art competition using an AI-generated artwork on Monday. I won first place, a user going by Sincarnate said in a Discord post above photos of the AI-generated canvases hanging at the fair. Sincarnate's name is Jason Allen, who is president of Colorado-based tabletop gaming company Incarnate Games. According to the State Fair's website, he won in the digital art category with a work called Théâtre d'Opera Spatial. The image, which Allen printed on canvas for submission, is gorgeous. It depicts a strange scene that looks like it could be from a space opera, and it looks like a masterfully done painting. Classical figures in a Baroque hall stare through a circular viewport into a sun-drenched and radiant landscape. But Allen did not paint Théâtre d'Opera Spatial. AI software called Midjourney did. It used his prompts, but Allen did not wield a digital brush. This distinction has caused... Controversy on Twitter where working artists and enthusiasts accused Allen of hastening the death of creative jobs. And uh, here's the picture, by the way. To be clear, even artists who are sympathetic to AI as a potential tool for their creative process process were pretty damn annoyed that this guy apparently didn't even clarify to the judges that this was AI-generated art. There's a 100% chance whoever judged this picture did so under the impression that the actual drawing or that actual drawing was involved in it. Yeah. Uh, this Allen guy, for what it's worth, does say that he thinks the art world will eventually recognize AI art as its own category, but he also seems to think he put in a, uh, just as much work here as a traditional artist would have, despite that work mostly consisting of basically just fine-tuning a text prompt over several weeks. Oh my gosh, my... my, my. Typing fingers are tired from, the one, from doing all this art. The one giveaway that I've seen, even with like some of the best stuff, is... Uh, what's the term where like uh, like fractals like it kind of has like if you if you look closely at it, it almost seems like fractals or like connective tissue with everything yeah well i mean even with this one like from 10 feet away and you're like that looks pretty cool but you get up close to it and you realize like you're not really looking at anything mm-hmm. it's just a bunch of like there's no detail to it but it's done in a way because the ai is really good at this it's done in a way where it looks detailed from far away up close there's nothing really going on there it's just yeah just a lot of like sort of random textures and yeah. and sort of lines and shapes. And um, yeah, but if you didn't know anything about any of this, you'd be like, oh, wow, great job. That's like really creative, uh, creative work there. I love yeah. How did you do all this, this sort of randomization in the on like blue the, ribbon? There you uh, go. <laughs> here you go, kid. Yeah. I, you get a free funnel cake. I love my job as a judge here at the Colorado State Fair. Where nothing where goes wrong. <laughs> 
where we'll never be on the radar. Yeah, of a bunch of people online. Just good old-fashioned art.、Mm-hmm. I love it. So yeah, this is all understandably frustrating for artists who have spent their entire lives developing and refining their art skills. First NFTs, now this. I mean, these artists just cannot catch a break, man.、Mm-hmm. But hear us out, because there is, I think, a silver lining here.、Um, so art means different things to different people. For a lot of people, art just means pretty pictures, and AI seems pretty good at making pretty pictures. But for people who actually care about, I guess, capital A art, it's not just pretty pictures. It's a creative process. It's conceptual. It's philosophical. There's so much more going on. It's much deeper than just the colors and shapes in the image itself. I don't know, Elliot. I'm really excited to see、uh, whatever this guy Syntacular's art hanging in the Rijksmuseum.、Um, you know, it's got no soul. Right next to a Caravaggio. Well, I mean, look. They're both real pretty. They look real pretty. Look at that. Yeah, makes me feel nice. Uh, so what's happening right now is not actually that different from what happened around 150 years ago, though,、uh, when photography came along and artists had to re-examine exactly what the point was of what they were doing.、Uh, was art simply about rendering what the artist sees with their eyes onto canvas or paper? Because now photography did that a lot quicker and easier.、Uh, art had to find a new purpose due to changes in technology, and that's how modern art was born. So the question every artist should be asking themselves right now is. What can I create that artificial intelligence can't create? Visually, the options there are only going to keep dwindling. But real artists know that art isn't just visuals. Yeah, I think this is going to force a lot of people who think they like art to actually、um, think about why they like art. And、um, yeah, it's、uh, it's just it took me a long time. Like when you're young, like especially like the more recent, like the conceptual art stuff. Go you, to a museum. Yeah, that's the, the only to, way to like really experience and appreciate it. That's that's exactly it. Because like, especially with conceptual art, like seeing it out of context by its own, you're just like, that's fucking stupid. Anyone could do that. But when you're in the actual exhibit and like reading the the thought behind it and everything,、yeah. you're like, oh, this is actually fucking genius. Yeah, especially like if it's a you know a rotating. Uh, exhibit like hey, this is it, it, one artist, and we we have like thirty of their pieces in this room right now. So you have like a window into their soul, basically. But yeah, but nothing is going to help you appreciate art throughout history more than going to a, a very prominent museum and like getting close enough to see like brushstrokes、yeah. and tension and like understanding why like certain eras the lighting was the most impressive thing or well, there's so much to enjoy about it go to amsterdam just please if you're going to travel interna- internationally and not for the reasons you're thinking amsterdam has one of the most incredible Uh, yeah. I, I mentioned it. It's like a rights museum, museum、yeah. Van Gogh museum.、Uh, there's like a street art museum. There's a bunch、uh, of stuff. But I, I bet you, there's probably a closer museum with、yes. plenty of good art. There's usually like a a, a modern art museum in a lot of, especially college towns. Yeah.、Uh, yes. There's there's ones locally. But it's、sure. like I don't know. Like obviously, you go on Reddit slash r slash art, and it's exactly <laughs> the sort of shit that these Fucking algorithms feed off of. There's no thought. There's no feeling behind it. It's just、yeah. like, hey, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And all of this AI art, a lot of it is like, hey, that's pretty cool. But there's just nothing beyond that. It's paper thin. That is. It is so funny that like the Reddit, like the art subreddits, are literally like, it'll be like fucking uh, uh, 
Judge Dredd uh, sending like an emoji or something. Like yeah, it's like, like it's oh, like man. iPhone wallpaper. Like that's yeah. the art that's on. A there. lot of it's just like pornographic too. Well, that too. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just, like, just like it's got tits. Upvote. Hey, I redid this anime character. We made them more voluptuous. Uh, mm. If you do want, like, first of all, I know we suggest this with like you know journalists, writers, and all that stuff. But same thing with artists. Find stuff that you like and follow them on Instagram. A lot of them sell prints and other things like that on Instagram. Uh, Colossal, Juxtapose, great sites. Yeah. Artsy is a fantastic app for following artists you like and then realizing that you'll never be able to afford anything by them. Yeah, but that's the cool thing, finding someone who's newer to the scene and you, you actually can afford it. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. I found a few artists that, like, once they get signed to, like, fucking Sotheby's or whatever, I'm like, well, that's... Fuck, even buying a print's like $200. Yeah. Not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Got to find someone new. Anyways, we yeah. do have more news uh, coming up for you. But first, this episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Have a packed schedule this fall. HelloFresh has meals covered with a weekly selection of 30-plus recipes and 70-plus convenience items all delivered to your door. HelloFresh is here to make your hectic fall weeknights a little easier and a lot more delicious. Their quick and easy meals, including 20-minute meals, low prep, and easy cleanup options, take the stress out of mealtime with time-saving, no-fuss recipes ready in a snap. (laughs) And just FYI, HelloFresh also owns Green Chef, who also sponsors this show from time to time. They're both great. We love both of them, especially for the amount of options that uh, you get between the two of them. Yeah, of course, we're big fans of HelloFresh's quick and easy recipes, which often only require the use of one pan and can be done in as quick as 20 minutes. This week, they're offering their Hall of Fame sweet chili pork and cabbage stir-fry with crispy fried onions, as well as their sesame soy beef bowls with shredded carrots, buttery rice, and sriracha mayo. Go to HelloFresh.com Newsday16 and use code Newsday16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. Again, that is HelloFresh.com Newsday16 with code Newsday16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. And this episode is sponsored by Mint Mobile. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when you first hear that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, you might think, what's the catch? But that's just the thing. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for the whole family. And at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash newsday. That is mintmobile.com slash newsday. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash newsday. All right, now let's get back to the news with a big win for people who think that doxing and online harassment against marginalized and vulnerable people is bad, which is hopefully... All of you yeah, watching. I hope so. <laughs> and we've never really mentioned Kiwi Farms on the show before, but basically picture 4chan, but minus any, you know, even mildly redeeming characteristics. It's like you're uh, diluting like yeah. 4chan, 8chan, 8kun <laughs> Kiwi Farms. It's, yeah. You push people to the fringes and that's where they go. I mean, yeah, 4chan really has proven itself to be not actually the worst thing in the world. 
over the last couple yeah, of years. Sure. That's the best thing you can say about it. Yeah, look, I wouldn't be who I am today <laughs> without being molded in the fires of 4chan in the 2000s. Yeah. I've I, seen it all. Well, I mean, just through osmosis, none of us would be because that's where... Like, all of the memes are born. The, like, yeah. I don't know if that's the case as much anymore, but for a good chunk of like the, you know, around circa t- 2010, give or take five, six years, mm-hmm. that's where all the memes came from. Yeah. Uh, Kiwi Farms would be bad enough if it was just a place where online degenerates congregate in an echo chamber of hatred, but it it goes well beyond that. Kiwi Farms is basically a site specifically for targeted online harassment, up to and including doxing, real-life harassment, and swatting. So Kiwi Farms started off as a spinoff of 8chan, uh, and it was set up specifically to troll and harass Chris Chan, a person with a long and complicated and fucked up history that we are absolutely not going to get into. But uh, over the years, its targets have included... Various other people who usually fall into the categories of neurodivergent and or LGBT. Uh, Coordinated and sustained harassment from Kiwi Farms users has driven multiple targets to suicide, which is something that many Kiwi Farms users openly consider a goal of their harassment campaigns. It's pretty fucking evil. Kiwi Farms' main target for the past year or so has been a Twitch streamer and trans activist uh, Clara Sorrenti, a.k.a. Keffels, who they've doxxed, swatted, and false flagged on various platforms. Keffels decided to leave home and stay at a hotel for her own safety, and after posting a picture of her cat on a bed, the freaks at Kiwi Farms were able to figure out exactly which hotel she was at just based on the type of sheets and ordered dozens of pizzas to her hotel room. Uh, She then left Canada to stay with a friend in Belfast, and Kiwi Farms quickly figured out where she was and continued the harassment, including IRL harassment from users taking pictures outside the apartment building she was staying at. God. Yeah. It's it's horrifying. Anyway, unlike most of Kiwi Farms' other targets, uh, Kevils actually has a pretty large online fan base supporting her. So she decided that rather than deal with this shit forever, I guess, uh, she was going to try to use her clout to get Kiwi Farms taken down. And a lot of people understandably thought that this was a pipe dream. Or dangerous. Uh, considering how difficult it has been to take on other similar hate sites like the Daily Stormer and 8chan. But uh, Keffel started a pressure campaign uh, against various third-party services that Kiwi Farms depends on to actually run properly, uh, basically telling them that the blood of whoever Kiwi Farms kills next is on their hands. And that has seemed to actually work quite well. Uh, Here's Engadget. The days where Kiwi Farms is a functioning website appear to be numbered. After Cloudflare cut the forum off over the weekend, other essential internet services, including HCAPTCHA, followed suit. Kiwi Farms briefly moved to a Russian domain and DDoS guard on Sunday, but as of Tuesday morning, visiting the website returns an error page that says it can't load. Quote, This meme about Russia being a free country is a joke, Kiwi Farms founder Joshua Moon wrote on Telegram, adding that he could not see a future where the website would be able to operate normally. Moon's post references Chan and Daily Stormer, two websites that, while they continue to exist, are essentially inaccessible after public efforts to deplatform were successful. And this is like, of all the things where, uh, you know, uh, with the sanctions and everything with Russia, you would assume that they would be like, sure, y- y- a U.S.-based service and we could, we could profit like, off of oh, this? what is it? Uh, no. Not even Russia, in the midst of a war, yeah. wants anything to do with it. I think they they finally they're like semi back online. They got the uh, the server company that hosts whatever the current version of Eight Chan is to host mm-hmm. them. But it's like just the most rickety fucking like. Well, you, it'll you always could, be whack a mole, just like yeah, Daily Stormer. But it's stuff. like this thing will like go offline if like ten people are using it at mm-hmm. once. So yeah, Kiwi Farms has also interestingly been banned from the Internet Archive's Wayback Machine. Uh, though the archives are still accessible to law enforcement and researchers because there's 
uh, a lot of evidence in there. So mm-hmm. hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully that helps. I don't know. It's not completely gone. It probably will never be. But but keeping the site online and accessing it at all is now way more difficult. And hopefully all this media attention has, I don't know, made the FBI and all of its international counterparts a little bit more aware of what a criminal cesspool Kiwi Farms actually is. So maybe they uh, might be a great place to start looking for whatever freaks. I did see Keppel's uh, made an interesting proposition, and it's one that has actually already worked before. Oh, yeah, to buy And then turn it the into a, a, like a mental health awareness or anti-bullying yeah. website. That is the exact thing that happened to uh, uh, Is Anyone Up? Yeah, it's like that's a, right. a, a, like a Trevor Moore site. It was a uh, you know revenge, revenge porn, porn yeah. website. There's a documentary on on Netflix about it. Yeah. Now. I haven't seen it yet, but it's too uh, long. But, but it's good. yeah, basically that's what happened to that site. Is once it was completely pummeled into the earth, it became a resource yeah. for the opposite of what I'll it was originally. Tree fitty for it. Yeah, and then uh, you turn yeah. it into a place where people can find resources for yeah. it. It'll like be that. interesting. I mean, the, the fight's definitely not over. A lot of people are criticizing Kevels for maybe celebrating prematurely. But uh, it seems like things are going in a good direction. Like, it's just like, Kiwi Farms is absolutely fucking irredeemable. Mm -hmm. Nothing of value is being lost by this thing fucking vanishing from the internet. Mm -hmm. And um, it's actually good to hold uh, services accountable for who they uh, accept money from. That's that's capitalism, baby. Yeah, that is capitalism. You don't like it? Well, why don't you move to North Korea, buddy? Mm-hmm. Anyway, R.I.P. Bozo to probably the worst website on the internet. Rest in piss. Go fuck yourself. Die. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, there was also, you know, big Apple event today in more traditional Tech News Day uh, form. There yeah. was an Apple event today. And I and honestly, as a, uh, you know, reformed Apple fanboy, I honestly can't tell you if there's anything to actually be excited about so outside of uh, the SOS satellite uh, capabilities. So that's cool. Yeah, if you find yourself out of service range, lost, you're probably going to die, probably going to get eaten by a bear. No longer. Uh, there's a way to, like, aim your phone at the sky, and it'll shoot, like, a. you have to go through basically a form, and it form it creates a message that it either beams directly to local emergency services, or if there's no none available, it sends it to Apple, who then Figures actually, it like, calls them. So, so that's really cool. The thing is, so it pulls up on your phone, and it will, like a GPS or an AirPod, guide you to where the satellite currently is. Yeah. You have to point it at it, and it reduces the size of your text messages uh, to, because uh, even using satellites, it's really hard to send data. Yeah. So it can only send a small amount of data. So after sending, like, an SOS, it has that uh, questionnaire to kind of give you time yeah. uh, so that it can keep sending things even though you're you're just indicating more information for them. It's honestly amazing. Um, that alongside the crash detection stuff is... Yeah, it can, it can tell when you're driving and it can tell when you've been in a uh, terrible car accident. Immediately... Calls 911, and also, like, if you have your, like, you know, basically your emergency contact set up, yeah. it'll, you know, call your husband, whatever, your wife, yeah. whatever. It, as Apple uh, describes, it's things that you hopefully never yeah. have to use. But it, uh, with the crash detection, that's, I wear an a Apple Watch when I mountain bike for that exact reason. If I have, like, a, a my heart rate skyrockets yeah. or, or goes to zero, it will call the police or my wife. Same with a crash. Like, if I crash hard enough to, like, Make yeah. it think that I'm in a car accident, basically. Like, it'll it'll alert people. Hello, Dana. Ricky has broken his watch. You better buy him a new one right now. <laughs> we are ordering a watch. It'll be there before he gets home. Uh, but so that, speaking of watches, they have this new Apple Watch Ultra, which 
absolutely not something I would ever it's want or need for myself, but it is actually pretty fucking cool. It this is. is it it is uh I think it's a thousand dollars. But like you could this thing goes a hundred feet underwater, it's waterproof to a hundred feet. Um, it's basically indestructible. Well, they have a whole um, uh, scuba diving mode, yeah, like for professional scuba There's divers. There's like a mountain climbing mode. There's uh, it has a feature where like if you do a lot of like off trail hiking, it and you get lost, it will breadcrumb. It will guide you back to like you can mark your tent, you yeah. can mark your car, you can mark a, a certain because it, uh, it uses the new band of GPS that's like way more accurate, like yeah. accurate to an inch. So it it can uh, yeah. And it's it's also like if you're a runner, it knows like exactly where you are at any given point, so you can like I can ghost race, keep track. Yeah, you can ghost race yourself in a fucking video game. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, these are all things. I mean, that, like, like not something I would ever want or need, but I'm glad for the people who do want or need it. Uh, that's just, it's the same thing with the with the new phone. It's like it's a slight evolution on the one before. It's not. If you have a 13, you really don't need the 14. Now you, you can leave. Seven. Now you can leave the display on all day long because this is actually pretty cool. I like the the dynamic or uh, what do they call it? The dynamic landing, oh, that's, where it's yeah. like the pill. Uh, it's just to hide the camera, but you can yeah. leave the the lock screen on all day long because it just switches to like a one frame per second refresh rate. Mm-hmm. So it's using like way less power. Yeah, because it doesn't need to do but anything. But it's still just like I would probably just not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. I'll have to see it. I I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. No idea. Anyway, yeah. I do like that they go up to a terabyte worth of storage now, even though it's not Good. necessarily needed. Yeah. It is fucking annoying. Like when I'm like, oh, I took this picture like two months ago, and it's like I have to download it. Yeah. Uh, that's that's kind of annoying. But well, who am I to complain? Life's pretty easy. It is. Yeah. It's pretty easy. But uh, yeah, some 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 cool stuff. We got the Google thing coming in yeah. October, so interesting. it'll be interesting to see what are on there. They are on number seven now. I have the six, so yes. Yeah. The seven. Although the Google like staggers the releases in a weird way, so we'll see, I guess. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, look forward to that. And uh, I think finally we're going to talk about Don't Worry Darling, but we're going to save that for News Dump. Woo! Ooh, I think he spit on him. <laughs> you see the one where he tosses a goat on him? No. There's like a, 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 a an account that just like adds goats to everything and it's yeah. like it looks really good though. Like he's just like fuck you Chris Pine. Just dumps a goat on him. All right. Well, I do you... love the meme of him listening with the the earphones. You've got that to look forward to. I'm just here so I get paid. Don't worry darling. Coming up soon. See yeah. you soon. Bye-bye. If you haven't already, please watch our most recent episode uh, where Mark Zuckerberg will kick your ass. He's an alpha male now. Yeah, and if you're not scared of Mark Zuckerberg, maybe you're scared of big ships getting caught in the Suez Canal. Check both of those videos out. Subscribe to the channel. Leave a like and a comment, and we'll see you guys soon. Bye-bye. Bye.